I think we're just warming up for heaven. And so when we get uh, when we get we slow down in worship, you know, we go backwards because uh, we need to prepare better things now. Um, um, we go. So that's our series. How many of you here for the first time today? Okay. Okay. Welcome to you. My name is John, and one of the pastors here at Connect Church, and uh, it's good to be with you uh, this morning. And we're in a series which we call Reimagining Church. And the reason that we are doing this, it, it, to me, hugely significant. How many of you have heard what's called the broken telephone? You know the broken telephone, you tell somebody something quietly and then you get a lot possible on quietly to the next person. And by the time you get to the tenth person, the message is not even baby like anything you started. The problem is that's happened to the church. The problem is that what God said here about church and what we're doing today has also got a little bit lost along the way. So, so the reason that we are wanting to do the series is we want to, there's two words, investigate, and the second word is recover what we've lost. Because if we don't recover it, you're going to feel all the time there is something wrong with the church. And in fact, many people uh, do say that about the church. I was interested uh, in reading one pastor, uh, that what one pastor said, he said the embarrassing truth was sometimes I didn't even want to shout for the service of other pastor. <laughs> you know things are really going downhill when, uh, when it gets to something like that. Bill Hybels, some of you might, may have heard of Bill Hybels, he was pastoring a big church in the States, but he made a statement some years ago about the local church and I really loved the statement and I think it's there up there. Thank you for put it up for us on the next slide. Um, yeah, there we are. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world in that it brings the gospel. If they get it and get on with it, churches can become the redemptive centers Jesus intended them to be. Dynamic teaching, creative worship, deep community, effective evangelism, and joyful service will combine to renew the hearts and minds of seekers and believers alike, strengthen families, transform communities, and change the world. Now, there's something that I feel needs to be broken here this morning. Jackie, we can go to the next slide. It's that slide at the top. The church is not just a meeting we attend. Can I say that again? Yeah. The church, we need to stop saying we are going to church when we are the church. Now, I kind of know what we mean by that. But, but just, I want you to think about this for a minute. When you arrived here this morning, had you arrived planning to contribute? Had you arrived planning to worship? Had you prayed about what was going to happen here this morning? Or did you come here this morning just to receive? You see, we are the church. And, and I think in the minds of many 21st century people, it is a meeting we are going to, and in Jesus' name, let that be broken. The church is a family we belong to. This is a family. This is your family. You may not always get on with your family, but it's still your family. That's the way it is. It's, it's a group of Christ followers to whom we relate. It's the context in which we are being discipled. It's a community that is committed to the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? Anybody? Do anybody know what the gospel is? The kingdom is near. That's the good news. Jesus' very first words that he spoke ever when he preached publicly, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, I brought another kingdom into this world. And it's a group of people with whom we are called to serve. I want to read these words to you and speak them over you this morning. You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. 
God chose you. If you're sitting there and you know Jesus Christ, you have been chosen by God. That is an awesome thing. You are a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, only certain people could become priests. I want to say, everybody that's in Christ is a priest here this morning. You're one of God's priests. You're a holy nation. That means you're set apart for God's purposes. You're a people belonging to God. So that you may declare the praises of Him who call you out of darkness. Do you know that the church is the only group of people that's empowered with the Spirit of God on the planet? There is nobody else that enjoys it. Think about that for a second. It's the only group of people that has been charged to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's the only group of people who have spiritual gifts with which to serve God. It is the only group of people that God says, when you need to get my presence. I have a favor to ask you this morning as the preacher. Please stop going to church and leave church. Now, before we go any further, we are going to this morning ask God to do something special. And we're going to ask Him to set His rule and reign in our hearts again. We're going to ask Him to set our hearts ablaze with hope. We're going to ask Him that the Holy Spirit will invade us now. And if you think He has this morning, we say, Lord, what's the point of me preaching this morning if we are not moved? If the church stays the same, if we are not willing to embrace what God wants us to be, then we might as well go to the So, so Strew is going to come and lead us again. There's a song. It's it's entitled "Build Your Church." Do you know it? Our rent collector. Somebody knows. Somebody can All we have teaching to you today. Right? So this is going to be a prayer that we pray. We're going to sing it because it is in fact a prayer. It's something we're asking of the Lord. But we're not going to sing it like a prayer. We're going to sing it like we mean it. And we're going to sing it until God starts to do something here. So, Steve, over to you. Let stand so we can sing it. Your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil what we made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope. Our wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are the church. We need. 
They broke bread in their homes. So there was in the temple courts, which would have been a bigger gathering. In their homes would have obviously been a smaller gathering. Tom was talking about the whole life group thing. That's where we try and do it in our homes and all the better. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now here's something that I want you to take note. What is being described in Acts is not an attempt to make meetings meaningful. What made the meetings meaningful is what people were doing when they met together. That make sense to you? When they met together, they didn't come together to try and have some meaning. What brought meaning is what people did when the church met. The things that are being described is what added to that. And I, I need to say this to you as well. It's, it's, it's a truth that, that came to me last year sometime. There is, there is something that's added to all of us when you do what you're supposed to do. When you come into a space, if only one or two people are really going to go for it in worship, that affects us. If we all come together and say, God, we are going to worship you, even if there's no food on the vine, we're coming to worship the God of the universe. He is the one we worship. And when we intentionally do that, you can come in here down, but you'll be walking on water. It's because what we do together has a huge impact. But when we come waiting for somebody else, it also has an impact. Something very significant had taken place about seven weeks after the resurrection. It's something that's called Pentecost. Have you heard of Pentecost? That Pentecost was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on 120 believers that had never ever happened in history before. 120 believers experienced something that God had been promising for years. That's why in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, uh, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father promised. So when we come to Acts chapter 2 and we read about believers meeting together, this is not just a meeting of people. This is a meeting of spiritual believers. There is a difference. 
These are people full of the Holy Spirit. They just come out of Pentecost. Guys, they are full of the Holy Spirit, full of power. They are rejoicing and praising God. It's having an impact in the city. And when they meet together, there's action and there's life. I, uh, I had the privilege some years ago of, 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 of being part of a church that had really been struggling. And they'd been doing all the programs you could want, all the advertising you could want, trying really hard. And after two years of really hard slog and really going for it and trying to serve God faithfully, they had two new converts, two people that had come to Christ, and these people had started to backslide. And so the pastor was very disillusioned, and he said, God, there's got to be more. And he went and he started praying, and they started praying as a church. Let me see if kept praying. And they said, God, we're not going to give up until something breaks loose in this church. And something happens over here. And God began to hear the cry of those people, and, and the Holy Spirit began to move in that church. And I had the privilege of being part of what was happening over there. Guys, I, I went to prayer meetings and turned my world upside down. I, I was used to the kind of prayer meetings in the church that I'd been part of for a long time and they were quite boring to be quite honest. But friends, when I went to a prayer meeting when people were full of the Holy Spirit, I didn't want to leave. Yeah. Because there was life. You get what I'm saying? When, when people came together on Sunday, like the worship, you like blew your mind. You just like wanted to, like you kind of felt we were going to go there this morning. And I knew that you wouldn't stand for two, three hour service. So we ran it in. But, but seriously, isn't it amazing when you come here and you go home and you are different? Because God showed it. That's what started to happen over here. Just remember, Jesus wanted His disciples to be filled with the Spirit so that the presence and the power of God could be evident in together. You see, Jesus didn't want church meetings. He wants spirit-filled meetings. That's what He was looking for. Now, here's something interesting that you pick up from Acts. When believers came together, it was because they wanted Sometimes, as pastors, we feel we have to try to do everything in our power to get people to come along and be together. Friends, the early church, the guys were saying, like, I want you. That's what the word devoted means, by the way. If you don't know the word, what the word devoted means, it means to be really passionate about and desiring something. They wanted to, to be taught God's word. That they wanted to fellowship. They wanted to pray. They wanted to break bread. You couldn't stop them. Is there a shift that needs to happen? If we go back to the original design, or have we come so far with a broken telephone and lost someone See, this is why I'm emphasizing this. When we meet together, God knows how. He's not looking at how many bums are on seats. He's looking at where your heart is and where my heart is when we come together. And when God sees receptive hearts, the Holy Spirit comes. Did you get the point? That's why it says they were devoted to. And they, they, what, 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 what is being described by Luke over there was the heart of people when they met together and when people come hungry for God, they get fed. Notice the outcome of it. There was joy. There was community. There was generosity. There were signs, wonders, and miracles. And you know what happened? On top of it, or just to add on to it, people started coming to Christ every day. See, that's what happens when people get serious about the faith. Now, another reason believers come together is because they committed to family. If you want to use the buzzword today is communion. When church is no longer just a meeting we attend, 
but a family we belong to everything starts to change. Friends, we can't treat this like a meeting when it's a family. Imagine if you went home and treated your family like a meeting. Some of you do. Things would be quite radical in your family. You'd get a few comments along the way. But you see what's, what's evident in Scripture over and over again, and I'm, the, the Scriptures, there's some of them that, that speak about, but I don't have the time to read all of them today, but it speaks over and over uh, again of us being members of God's household. We'll go to the next slide, Jackie, in Timothy and Galatians again. We belong to the family of believers. And here's the tragedy. Not many, for, for many people, the concept of family needs to be recovered and restored. It's the whole concept that we have of family is a dysfunctional one in many cases. Because so many families are not what they're supposed to be. So when God talks about family, we start to relate it to kind of the family maybe that we've come from. And some of you come from great families, but some of you come from terrible families. It's been terrible for you. But God says that we're part of a family. Let me share with you what I believe. Family is supposed to be, it's meant to be a safe place where people love you once and more. That's family. Family is meant to be a caring environment because there are deep-seated relationships that have been formed over years. Family is meant to be a supportive environment where people want you to succeed. If you're in a family that doesn't want you to succeed, there's something wrong with that family. Family is meant to be a supportive environment. Family is meant to be a place where life skills are learned by people who are all children. Family is meant to be a place where you can be honest with people because you don't have to agree with them. And the sad thing is that the family is under siege and the extent of that damage in our society is alarming. To me, certainly it's possible. The beautiful thing I want to say to you this morning about being a believer is that we belong to a new family. What was coming out to me when I think there were a couple of words and others brought words this morning is there is a spirit that's called an orphan spirit that's got people in captivity. People in bondage. It's because of what's happened in the families. But we belong to a new family and it's the family of God. And let me tell you a few things about this family. It's a family where people have to love one another. Jesus said, and didn't say a new suggestion I give up He said a new? He didn't say this is a debatable issue. He said, this is my family, not yours. You belong to my family and I make the rules in this family. And in this family, you will love one another. It's the way it goes down. Just if you're new to the church, that's the way it is. So if you're having a struggle to love one another, sort yourself out. Because God says, in my family, you love one another. That's how family is for him. In his family, people have equal worth because in Christ, we're all equal. And what Galatians says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, or everybody's one in Christ. We all have equal value. So stop thinking the pastor's better than you. He isn't. Because if, if we as a church can come to this place and say, we all have equal value. We all have the Holy Spirit. We all the same in Christ. Jesus lives in us. All the same. It will change us. Please change. God's family people encourage one another because they value one Do you remember what Paul said in Philippians? Uh, says, each of you should look not only to your own interest but also to the interest of others because the, you consider them better than yourselves. I think that's saying something about the way we value one In God's family, people minister to one another so that they can build each other I'll read this to you quickly. It's in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, when you come together, some, 
Everyone is a him, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. In God's family, here's the killer. People want to be together so that they can be a blessing to one another. Because this thing of coming and meeting once every six weeks is rubbish. Where did you get that from? That's not what God planned for His church. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm trying to be get the spirit of what Jesus intended His church to be like. His church, He intended, if we family, we love one another, and we want to encourage one another, you can't do it somewhere else. You kind of got to get together in the same space. You can't do it out of WhatsApp. It's got to be a little bit more personal. Romans chapter 1, Paul said, I long to see you, so that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Do you long? Do you just read Romans 1. Paul says that, and then he gives them a massive write-up of why he couldn't be with them. He's like, this was so important. I need you to know why I couldn't be there, because being with you is important. Being together is I read a great statement written by a guy by the name of Simon Holly, who's a Christ in the UK. He said, We live in a society where many have never heard their fathers say, I love you. Do you think God is unaware of this? He is busy creating a whole new family, a place full of sons and daughters who know a new father, one who will never forsake them. God is making a new family where he can be a father to the fathers. Two things. Do you remember the first one? You come together because you're serious about that? Good. Some of you remember. By the time we finish, you'll all remember. Secondly, we come together because of family or community. Alright? The third reason is that we're here to serve. Tom, you shouldn't have to make appeals for the front. We are here to serve. So there will be a queue afterwards of people. <laughs> Otherwise, the sermon was a waste of time. Okay. Remember, we said the reason we're doing this series, Reimagining Church, is because we want to recover what's got lost. That's the motive behind it. We need to be clear about that uh, up front. So we want to investigate, we want to recover what the church should be like. And there's some aspects of service and serving that really need attention in the church. And I want to touch on only three of them because that's all the time we have. First of all, the church is meant to be a place where people are equipped and discipled. Would anybody disagree with that? You happy with that? Now let me read to you the scripture that God gave me for this. It's Ephesians 4. To each one of us, grace has been given. It's another nice word for gifts of the Spirit. Charis. Grace has been given as Christ is appointed. This is why it said, when He ascended on high, the ascension of Jesus, He led captives in His train, and He gave gifts to men. That's the first part. And I think that's the side. Can you go to the next slide? Because I want to pick up on verse 11. Now listen to this. God gave, it's Him who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for His success. That make sense? In other words, God has placed gifted people in the church to equip us to be able to serve. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. The only way that you will be able to serve effectively is if you are equipped by the gifted people God has given to the church You will not be. Imagine, somebody says to you, why don't you just go and play the piano? And you say, well, I mean, someone just put your keys in the fingers and just kind of press and something will happen. Imagine that. But sometimes that's what churches are. Let's go and do evangelism. Let's go and minister. Let's prophesy to people. And all of these nice things. And you say, well, how does that work? Don't. No. And I 
need to make a confession here this morning. In my opinion, after comparing this sermon this past week, I believe that as leaders of Connect Church, we're spending too much time running events and too little time in cooking duties. We cannot expect you to serve if you're not trained some of you are sitting with amazing prophetic gifts and you need to be with those who have prophetic gifting so we can sit down and teach you how that works. That's what it's talking about. Some of you are amazing evangelists, but you're going to make a mess of it the first time you go there because it's our job to equip you. That makes sense. And every time all we're doing is running another meeting, we're not equipping you with what God intends. That needs to change. That's the first thing. The second thing that needs a serious makeover is our attitude and our approach to sin. The attitude and approach of the church that's unique to service and serving should be based on what Jesus said and the example of Jesus said. There is no other reference point, guys. And when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, do you remember when the, Jesus took off his outer garment and he washed his disciples' feet? So what many people have done, they have what's called a foot washing ceremony because we want to do what Jesus didn't tell us to go and wash feet. He said, I want to get into your heads what it means to serve, to have the right attitude and approach to service. That's what that's all about. Listen to what he said. John 13, when he had finished washing his disciples' feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Here's the point. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done. What Jesus is saying, lose the attitude. Be humble and be willing to do whatever is necessary for God. Yeah. That's an attitude to service. And, and it's an area we struggle with a lot in the church. And I just want to say to you, Jesus put it out there. You, he's the Lord. It's His church. You do it His way. Yeah. Not my way, His way. But I wasn't joking when I said to Tom what I said. The third thing that's highlighted about service and serving is that God gave spiritual gifts to His people so that our service would have a supernatural element. That might be a bit weird for you, but I'll put up some scriptures from Romans over there uh, for you to read through. I don't have the time to go into uh, those this morning. But the whole point that's been made God has given every one of His people a gift for a reason. Or multiple gifts. And sometimes it will change from it being this to this. Sometimes you, you might find God gives you a spirit special gift for a particular moment. How it works. It's His baby. All I want you to know is that when we serve by God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit is at work and people in comfort. Let me just say this. Many people have looked at that. That's only the supernatural things like healing, signs, wonders, miracles, prophecy, tongues, interpretation. Friends, it's everything. You've got the gift of service. And you do that with the Holy Spirit. People will encounter the Holy Spirit. If it's a gift of giving and you're doing it by God's Spirit, God always shows up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, I planted, I polished water, God gave the point. We were doing different things, but because we did it by the Spirit, what happened? God will be. Last year, then I'm, I'm sorry. 
reason that we come together is to keep our focus on our mission. <coughs> I think most of you here today have a pretty good idea of what our mission is. Our mission is to make disciples of the nations or what we call the connection to continuing the work of Jesus. But when we begin to do that, when you begin, you don't make disciples. When you get out there and you start doing this stuff, you're going to discover something. You're going to discover that there are challenges and obstacles. You're going to discover there are attacks of the enemy and there's opposition. You're going to discover your own weaknesses and fears that need to be dealt with. All that's going to happen. I need to tell you what happened to my wife just this week. So she's really excited about the Holy Spirit at the moment. And uh, saying, John, I need to get this stuff happening now. So she was walking out of that she was at Checkers in where we stay in Birdfleet and, and uh, walking past a couple and heard a woman say to her husband, you know, I've got this terrible pain in my hip and I'm really struggling and she's kind of like walking past there in the opposite direction. She carries on walking and said, oh, I think I'm supposed to maybe be ministering into that situation. And uh, so, but now the couple have moved on and she turns around and they stopped over there. The husband is going one way. The woman is about to go in. And she, she walks over to him. She says, uh, I happen to overhear. You speaking to her husband. Have you got it? So she, now Terry's all wide up. She's going to pray for me. And uh, so this woman says, and so what can I do? <laughs> so she says, well, I happen to overhear this. And would you mind if I, and can I confront you? She says, I don't talk a lot of rubbish. I'm sorry. I just want to say to you guys, that's what's going to happen. Don't get on a romantic trip. Jesus said you're going to have some obstacles on the way and you've got to suck it up and deal with it. Otherwise you're not going to move on. I'm sharing that. But I want to tell you the church had a strategy for that. And the strategy of the church was not we're going to give you a talk on how to pray when people are difficult with you. This is the church's strategy. It's, no, go back. <laughs> go back one side. There it is. When they heard this, they raised their voices to God. You see, that's the way the church deals with it. I, I was listening to a sermon last night, and it was a guy who was traveling in South Korea. He was staying in his hotel, and about 4 o'clock in the morning, he heard this like, Roar that there was a stadium close by to him. This incredible roar woke him up in his sleep and he went down into the, the foyer and he said to the receptionist the next morning, What party was going on at the, at the stadium last night? It was like hang of a rowdy. She said, uh, That wasn't a party. She said, What you heard were Christians praying. For. She said, There was a roar that came from the stadium because believers were praying. when they got threatened they went to the king and they said God we got a bit of trouble and here's what we're asking for we say God we want boldness and God we want signs, wonders and miracles and God almighty in heaven heard the church depending on him and the place where they were meeting was shaken and they got boldness and things started moving in you see that's the church's solution when it comes to mission. See, I'm so glad we, we were singing those songs this morning. We are a church. We know a lot of lost nobodies. We are His church. With His spirit. Come to do things by His power. I think I'm going to stop. All I want to say in closing is this. We need to keep reminding ourselves who the church is. What the church is meant to be doing. Who we serve. Why we meet together. Because if you don't do that, and if I don't do that, what are we going to do? We're going to fold the space up with all kinds of things. And I'm afraid to say, I think we have. We... You give people time and they're going to be together, you'll fill it up with something. I think it needs to be filled up with the things that we have.
So if there was time, I wanted to give you a shot at responding to you this morning. I would have loved some feedback. No, I feel we need to sing that song again. So Stu, come on, build your church. Let's sing that as a declaration. I hope this changes church. I hope this changes service. The way you serve, I hope this changes community and I hope it changes your faith. I hope it changes your heart and I hope it changes why you come together in this way and why you need in homes. We want God to build the church again. This is a year of faith, guys. This is the year of the work. Two words the Lord sent me. Go big and don't not go home. Get that point. But let's go big for God. The church needs to have faith again in the God of glory. Your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray.
Amen. Yeah. Yeah. 